0: Hello, and welcome to Two Bald Men and Friend, the show where we talk about issues and ideas using pop culture as the springboard. I'm your host, Joe, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Alex.
1: Yeah.
0: And Dan. Hi. Uh. So this week, we're going to be talking about three billboards outside Ebbings, Missouri, and the idea of no one is wholly good and no one is wholly bad. So spoiler alert, please sit back, relax, or if you're driving... Please sit upright and continue to drive vigilantly. Let's just dive right in. What do you guys think of Three Billboards?
1: I will absolutely say that it was up there in one of my favorite movies now. I rarely watch movies in theaters more than once. I watched this one twice.
0: That's more than once.
1: Yeah, count with me now.
0: (laughs) One, wait for it. Boom. Two? I put up a second figure.
2: <laughs> so I caught this film at an Alamo Draft House when I was Ooh. down and visited in uh in Texas. And if you're going to one of these like specialty movie places, you know the moviegoers are like super savvy on board for which actually made the experience even more enjoyable. They could like read into the layers of sort of like dark comedy the same way I just like. Oh, they laughed on that same thing that I did. Like it is for the subject matter that three billboards outside Ebbing Missouri tackles. Boy does uh Martin McDonough or McDonough?
0: Just McDonough.
2: McDonough. He he mixes some smart light light humor to light and dark humor to to lighten the load.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um one of my favorite types of humor is this dark humor that's sort of like I shouldn't be laughing at this, but mm-hmm. I am. Mm-hmm. And it's also like the smart humor of I feel excited that I can laugh at this because that means I'm smart enough to get it because that's always <laughs> what I'm looking for, like to be the
0: smartest boy in <laughs> given,
2: the world. To, no, to be given a uh, like something to challenge you or a puzzle presented to you and then when you when you solve it and it clicks, you can right. enjoy it. Yeah.
1: So on top of the laughter, it's like I'm laughing because I get it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I certainly enjoyed it. I agree. But I think you guys liked it better than I did. I had not big problems. Like, I still agree it's definitely up there. I think it's an A movie. It definitely deserves to be nominated for Best Picture. But I think I have one or two preferences above it of what I think should win Best Picture. That's
1: fine. Would you say, like, Get Out,
0: probably? I'd say probably Get Out, Shape of Water... And then three billboards. Okay. Yeah. Um, I definitely but three billboards should. is still great. For what I
2: say, the reasons I the reasons why I enjoy three billboards are not the same reasons why I enjoy movies. If that makes sense, it's mm-hmm. just a super like thorough dive into a, a character piece. I feel.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's very character heavy. I'm more invested in plot often Mm. like i do like character development which three billboards had a lot of but i agree this one was like diving into the character versus presenting a situation and letting someone grow out of
2: it yeah or like having the characters react to situ it's not it's not a very reactionary film the plot does not drive these characters around from point a to point b it's very much the, the character's individual motivations making things happen.
0: Right. Yeah, that's what saved it for me. Um, generally, I enjoy exploring character as, a plo- as opposed to plot. Um, and so I think that's why, I, even though I do have a couple problems with it, I do still very much enjoy it because the characters were very three-dimensional. No one was just evil and good. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I loved Mildred as a protagonist. Mm-hmm. In general, I was rooting for her. She had a lot of things going for her, my sympathy, like things like that, but there were plenty of times where I was like, "Mildred, that's not necessarily rational, Mildred. That's not the best way to go about it, Mildred." Like, and so like she was just as flawed as everyone else, but obviously she had She did have the general moral high ground of it.
2: And the movie plays with that so well. Right off the bat, getting you to sympathize with Mildred's uh, situation. And then constantly bringing into question whether or not you should still be sympathizing with her actions.
0: Yeah, I, of course, like you said, right off the bat, sympathize with her. But then I found it very hard to stay on her side. She often acts with disregard for consequence for herself, and holds everyone else to a different standard. Mm-hmm. Um, so, f- like long term, I was like, I don't think I like Mildred. Like she's kind of a she's kind of a jerk.
1: Right, and like when you get into it, the police really were doing everything they could, mm-hmm. and obviously, like there were signs of success that the three billboards did prompt. The police to sort of look into the case just a little bit more again but it didn't resolve anything and so in that context like was her motivation enough for her actions to be justified because when we get into the secondary characters like uh willoughby he was a pretty kind person generally through and Mm -hmm. through and like was it wrong of her to call him out Probably.
2: Or, like, was her objective to sort of... I know the movie was sort of using Dixon as a, like, a portrayal of it, the bumbling cop sort of thing when he storms in, or when uh, Mildred storms into the office. It's like, you can't let a civilian talk to you like that, Dixon! And, like, uh, <laughs> he's, like, just fumbling to try to get himself together. Like, is, is the objective to just, like, combat like a lack of caring or laziness there? with But there's, like, obviously certain officers and parties that put forth that effort but it's uh it's right. hard to know where to draw the line
1: because well, ultimately it won't ever be enough like her yeah. her daughter is gone the things mm-hmm. that happened to her daughter were horrendous and there isn't gonna be any sort of resolution even if they did catch whoever it was even if they did go to jail like there's you can't really find resolution there
0: yeah and i understand from her character's point of view why she feels the need to do the things that she's doing. Um, And maybe she's like, I know it won't bring me closure, but it's the closest thing I'll have Mm -hmm. or something along those lines. But like I said, it was just very hard for me to stay on her side. There was one line in particular that I found like very self-indulgent for Mildred and so the priest is in her kitchen trying to talk to her like, hey, Mildred, like, you should take those billboards down. You know, it's affecting people in ways that you probably didn't think it would. And she goes on a rant about how California instilled laws to combat the Bloods and the Crips that would make anyone in part of the gang culpable for anyone in the gang's actions. And so she compares that to the priest Saying, oh, you're a priest, so you're basically in this The actions gang. of the
2: Catholic Church reflect upon your, like, character. Or yeah. such.
0: But it's like, Mildred, you're... A- like, later in the movie, she actively, like, assaults people. <laughs> and still is like, I'm in the right, I get to do whatever I want. But this priest, because he's a priest, is culpable for sex crimes. And it's just... I- and that
2: scene is inserted so early into the movie yeah. that you're almost like, "I, I don't know if I'd... Like, make that, like, a uh, assumption, leap. On, uh, that leap on my own, however, recontextualized with me, like, being so on Mildred's side at the beginning. You almost uh, accept. It's like, wow, way to go, Mom.
1: <laughs> I was into it. I really liked that sort of monologue that she had about it. Not because I think she's right, not because mm-hmm. I think priests are culpable for the reflection of the Catholic Church, but just an acknowledgment that, one, the Catholic Church needs reform, and two how racist that law was of making mm-hmm. people culpable for joining a gang and then and then like forcing them to go to jail just because a gang member did something and it's not like one that didn't prevent people from joining gangs but it was also very inconsiderate to think about why do people join gangs and if i've learned anything from the outsiders that i had to mm-hmm. read in 8th grade like gang is family and it's not Mm -hmm. just about like being tough and killing people it's literally if i don't join a gang that i'm more vulnerable and more in danger of violence than if i do join a gang so it's completely dismissing and not resolving any issues that come with gang membership
0: yeah it was definitely an interesting point to think about and to bring up mildred doesn't deserve to bring it up yeah is oh, what I'm getting. Which at. it
2: all circles back to Mildred, trying to find reason for the cause uh-huh. of, w- of what happened to her daughter. There's even that line early on. It's like, "Oh, Chief Willoughby, you got time to be worrying about my billboards and could be spending that time stopping another like a uh, team from getting raped and mi- murdered." Like, yeah, I agree. Yeah, like, I, I like. That I'm not part. on her
1: side with that, but specifically with this quote, and I'm not trying to defend it this hard, but I'm gonna anyway. Uh, <laughs> I think she was just looking at. I don't think she agreed with everything she said when she said it. It was mm-hmm. more of like, look at your hypocrisy. Like, instead of coming in here and telling me whether my thing is right or wrong, take a moment and think about yourself. But, Mia, yeah, maybe she
0: was.
2: To make just... her situation feel less hopeless. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yeah I could see that. But again, I, I don't know.
1: It was rubbed you the wrong way. Hot,
0: high pot, meat kettle. Like, that's how I felt. <laughs> like, okay,
1: <laughs> I see. <laughs> Well, yeah, uh, let's get into a uh, Willoughby. I would you guys think father of the year father of the year?
0: <laughs> yeah, hands down. I definitely
1: not that we want to talk about it extensively, but euthanasia. Like, what do you guys think of that? Like, if you're going to suffer, do you think it's it could be morally acceptable to just end it earlier?
0: Um, it, yeah, I, it's definitely a loaded question that I don't know. <laughs> Wasn't prepared like, to answer yeah, in <laughs> movie, yeah. Uh, I don't know if I have, um, a yes or no answer on this, but I will like the way it came about in the movie Yeah. of, especially later we get a reveal of Willoughby writes a letter to Mildred and he says... You probably think i did this because of your billboards you're wrong it's because i'm dying and i'm like gonna go out on my own terms um so i like that reveal
2: okay and if and it even reveals that like Willoughby had his own thing going on like this is complete a completely separate issue mm-hmm. from the billboards like obviously as much as like uh people will like to make drama like be drama llamas and speculate that like she was the cause like uh it's, it's almost profound, the sense that uh, his duty and his family were two completely separate issues. Uh, yeah, it's yeah.
0: The, the idea of Mildred's whole world. She felt like her whole world was the only thing that mattered, almost. Mm, exactly. And then it's like, no, Willoughby has his own stuff going on. Mm. Everyone else, even though, like we said, we sympathize with her situation and understand her character drives... But, like, the world didn't stop spinning. Like, other people still have lives.
1: Yeah. I would say, going back to the the consequences of Mildred's actions, she was pretty inconsiderate because she was trying to cope with it, but she didn't involve her son at mm-hmm. all in any of that. And she sort of forced him back into the trauma and, like, brought it to his school. And, like, there were a lot of consequences that her son had to go through. Because of her coping mechanisms. Um and yeah. so that, There's like, even that
2: one car ride that mm-hmm. um, Mildred and Robbie have. It's like it wasn't enough to say like just uh, just murdered. You'd had you had to say raped while dying. Like right. thank thanks, Mom. Thanks yeah. for her. like really making me relive that like. Yeah. Every, As if, every, if I every don't think about it enough.
0: all the time, every day anyway. Now we drive past this billboard mm-hmm. on purpose. Right. And
1: so that's what I imagine the whole, like, Willoughby suicide brings about this aspect of, like, everyone in town has the things that they're going with.
2: But one thing I was thinking about at the moment during the movie that actually stuck with me is something my uh, my friend's mother feels very strongly about. That one of, like, the the gravest crimes or sins you can commit as a parent is by killing yourself with your children still in your life. So, mm. it, they, like, like Barone is like, oh, is like... Is that like wrong of Willoughby to like uh, to not allow his like his children to get the most time like with him to grow up like with their father?
1: Like, right, and I yeah. think Willoughby definitely admits that it's a selfish act. Yes. What I do like, you think
0: like, of euthanasia, Alex? <laughs> and I really, yeah, I didn't mean to put you guys on the spot. No, no,
2: it's a question that the movie raises for sure. Um,
1: <laughs> it definitely brings the question of like because he's he says that it, it's selfish but he also sort of sets an argument of I don't want you to watch me wither because I know how hard that's going to be for you. Obviously, mm-hmm. he can't he shouldn't be deciding for other people that kind of thing, <laughs> yeah. but he does acknowledge that it's it's his choice and like it was selfish. If I'm going to really get into <laughs> euthanasia, I'm going to go with I If I had to choose like 100% one way or the other, which is never the case, everyone, we'll we'll get into that later, (laughs) I'd go yes to euthanasia. Um, I think plenty of illnesses that result in like the loss of bodily function slowly but surely should have a secondary option of let me die before I get to the point where I can't even kill myself. Because no one wants
0: to live.
2: While you're anything. still yourself, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: Now I know what you're thinking, listeners. How are we gonna get out of this weird hole <laughs> that we just dug ourselves into? Let's move on to uh, what's the closest thing of comedic relief in the movie, which is Officer Dixon.
1: <laughs> and uh, the hole that Dixon <laughs> digs for himself. <laughs> oh my gosh, Dixon. I enjoyed the hole that Dixon dug in for himself. Mm-hmm. Just... He was, and I like the phrase you use, like the closest to comedic relief, because it was comedic relief, but it was all in the in the context of I'm um, ignorant.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, Willoughby, played by Woody Harrelson, has a great line when Dixon like leaves the room, and he's like, "Hey, if you get rid of all the racist cops, then they're just all gonna be homophobic, am I right?"
1: <laughs> and it's
0: like, "Oh, that's funny," but like also like really horrible to think about.
1: <laughs> so yeah, what do you guys think of Dixon? What's your favorite part about Dixon? His mother. <laughs> <laughs> I like that he had a pet turtle.
0: <laughs> just because.
1: I think one of my favorite parts was with the mother, like, where she's like, well, have you tried going after her friends? <laughs> oh, <my laughs> oh, yeah. And, like, yeah. it was... She just thought about it like that. Boom. Like, that's yeah. just... So, imagine how he was raised. Like, if yeah. if that was the mother who, like, immediately thinks of, like, that... Puts that mindset put on Put that him. mindset on him. Like, of course... He's going to turn it out the really way he did. paints the yeah. picture. Yeah. Like we
0: said how much this movie dives into character. With that one line you're like,
1: "Oh, like it doesn't
0: excuse his <laughs> actions, but it certainly explains them." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I thought it was going to be revealed that Dixon was the murderer and that like the police station had been keeping it under wraps. So it was like this Thing of okay. like so you were
2: still sort of watching with the mindset that it was this solvable like crime. yeah okay
0: and so looking back on it i really enjoy that that wasn't the case because dixon has a really nice turnaround mm-hmm. and then like dan said it wasn't a solvable case it was a situation much like in life where there is just no answer and try as hard as you might you don't always succeed
2: yeah and is it in a uh, willoughby's letter it's like some or no no not the letter, he's just talking to Mildred. It's like usually these cases get like solved four or five years down the line, someone mm-hmm. in a bar is bragging about it.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. I'm glad that Dixon didn't turn out to be the murderer mm-hmm. slash rapist. <laughs> Especially because of the direction of the arc that he took. But just in general as a character, I, I liked him and wanted to keep liking him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's not that I liked his personality. Although I did. <laughs> Aside from the racism. I want to be very clear here. I don't <laughs> condone racism. It is the official stance <laughs> of two
0: bald men and friend that racism
1: is bad. But he, he's just so ignorant that he doesn't even recognize it as racism. He sort of just recognizes it as, like, like that's just who I am. Like, I, I don't like people. <laughs>
0: yeah, he thought the idea of being politically correct was not saying, I don't like black people but instead of saying i don't like colored people and he was like there i'm not racist anymore yeah like i'm doing the thing i'm supposed to after
2: after dixon has sort of his um his uh his moment of personal justice where he goes across the street over to red and essentially beats him up like his sort of um attempt at justice for Willoughby. He's like, see, I don't just like beat up black people (laughs) while Sam is a bloody or or Red is a bloody pulp on the pavement.
1: (laughs) So therefore I'm not racist because I beat up all races.
0: (laughs) That was one of my main problems with the movie was that there really weren't any consequences. So Dixon beats up the character Red and his secretary, throws Red out of a window, In front of the new police chief. And he just gets fired. Like, he doesn't get under arrest. He doesn't have to pay a fine. He just gets fired. I mean, Dixon thought it was an absurd uh,
2: consequence. but (laughs) Yeah,
0: like, he was like, what (laughs) What are you you kidding me? Yeah, he was, like, legitimately shocked. And it's, I think, because consequences don't exist in this world. (laughs) Because Mildred drills a hole into a dentist's thumb. And kicks two teenagers... And the biggest uh, consequence she gets is she gets a little intimidated by the police for like five minutes.
1: Um, I will say, though, I was very on her side when she drills the hole into the oh yeah the Man, way to make
2: me hate dentists all over yeah. again because <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs> uh
0: that dentist don't was, get me wrong the dentist was also wrong yeah. yeah
1: like that i i can definitely okay with mildred claiming that was self-defense and not getting consequences for that because that dentist was ready to drill into her mouth and take a tooth out while she out was... of anger of the billboards imagine how angry he's gonna be when he yeah. finds out willoughby killed himself yeah like yeah.
2: if that's what scares me the most is people in a position of power acting irrationally out of fear it's uh, definitely a scary situation for mildred
0: yeah and that made me think of a lot of real life situations where it seems there's no consequences because the police in the movie operated in this way of well we can do whatever we want We're the cops like how do we get in trouble I recently saw an article on Facebook about two cops that shot and killed a person with a knife
1: Wait, they shot knives at him <laughs> to kill him
0: okay, let me rephrase that someone had movie. a knife, and the cops shot and killed them
1: okay okay that makes i mean it makes more sense, but it's less fun, but it's yeah real, okay. it's a,
0: <laughs> picture what you will um and there were a lot of comments. From either police officers or I guess just general supporters of the police, which we all should be, but um, there was a, a comment from a local resident in the article and they said something along the lines of like, why didn't they just shoot him in the leg to get him down? Why did they have to kill him? And all the comments were like, oh yeah, why don't they just shoot him right in the big toe or shoot the knife out of his hand? Like that's realistic too, right? So their whole premise was, what a ridiculous idea that the police be accountable. And it kind of made me scared that that's the option.
1: Right. And I totally get this context of like, cops are here to protect, but obviously they need to protect themselves Mm -hmm. first in order to continue doing their job. But it can't be as black and white as either... They get killed or they kill like that. There needs to be some Mm -hmm. form of (laughs) compromise for both parties to say, like, I want there to be fewer deaths by cops. And it doesn't necessarily mean I want cops to be vulnerable and die more.
0: Yeah, I think you can still respect and support the police and hold them to some sort of standard.
2: Man, it's tough when everyone can carry around a tiny little thing that fits in your hand and you pull a trigger and someone's dead. It's tough. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. I, and I think
1: definitely, like, these, this attitude of, like, one or the other, like this false dichotomy, I think Three Billboards sort of, like, very slyly addresses this idea of not all good and not all bad. And in today's culture, we sort of have that. Like, Mm -hmm. if you're not on my side, then you are against me. And those are the only two options. And it results in a lot of Facebook wars. It results in a lot of scary legislature. And it results in, like, either you're this or you're that. And then no one meets in the middle.
0: Yeah, even here, I'm worried, oh, we shared what I felt was a reasoned example, but now a bunch of our listeners are like, Oh, well I'm not going to listen to them anymore because they're on the other side.
1: Right. And definitely like in a recent podcast, we did mention Trump and we sort of, uh, without giving too many reasons, just we're sort of like, yeah, we don't like him. And that could have isolated our audience. And it's, it makes sense not to want to hear opinions that differ from yours, or at least it makes sense to not want to feel attacked. And it makes sense to not feel like you have to get defensive of your opinion. But I think running away from other people's opinions or sort of blocking yourself off and surrounding yourself from... In only... almost a sort
0: of safe space.
1: <laughs> oh, we can get into that. Oh. But it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a dangerous situation and it just sort of polarizes and continues to pull them apart and apart.
0: One of my favorite quotes uh, is from Abe Lincoln, and he says, a house divided against itself cannot stand. So we as a country or we as a society can't survive if it becomes one side versus the other. And it shouldn't be one side versus the other. Because Alex said this earlier, life is never black or white. Life is all different shades of gray. Um,
2: 50, you could say.
0: 50. At least 50 (laughs) shades of gray. So going back to three billboards, Willoughby is the antagonist for the most part. But he's just a cop genuinely trying his best. But it's still framed that he's the bad guy. But what I really liked about Three Billboards was it does make you think of like, should he be the bad guy? Mm -hmm. It's not the black and white. This side is the bad. This side is the good. It really presents. You can root for any character, really.
1: Right. And also like with Dixon, like he is the racist, fumbling idiot, bumbling idiot cop. But is he redeemable? And in what context can he overcome some of his, like, bad habits, if we want to be light about it, <laughs> um, and sort of put him in a light where all of a sudden I'm rooting for him, and they
0: did it. <laughs> yeah. Surprisingly. Like, he made a comeback.
2: Probably the turning point from him is grabbing the case file once the uh, police uh, department catches a blaze. That's It just really goes to show that despite, like results not being produced this department was probably going above and beyond its normal duties to like try to keep this case alive and active as as long as it could be right
1: Mm -hmm. um i also think of the abusive ex-husband we're all always going to be against domestic abuse but the movie still finds a few opportunities for the ex-husband to have positive moments and, like, there is light shed on him where he can potentially be redeemable if he takes care of
0: Penelope. Is Penelope her name? It was Penelope or Pamela, I can't remember. Pam, Penelope,
2: yeah, one of those two.
0: Okay. Zoo girl is how they mostly refer to her. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> and so, like, he... Even within the movie, it wasn't just a memory. He sh- He gets up and grabs Mildred's neck and pushes her up against the wall... And their son has to put a knife on his neck. Immediately. Like, Robbie did that immediately,
2: which scares me. Yeah, like a habit <laughs> of some sort. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> and so, like, obviously, he she wasn't lying about that. And he is that type of person. And yet, the movie is still willing to show and say, look, he has some good qualities. And maybe... He can be a good person in some contexts. Yeah,
2: and going back to what Joe keeps reiterating on, not for <laughs> not <laughs> that it's <laughs> getting annoying, but the consequences for that. The movie it also brings up the question well, it's it's his word against mine, mm-hmm. which was like what it was in the dentist situation. It's like, oh, the mm-hmm. dentist guy said this, whatever. It's like, well, I guess it's his word against mine. It's like, it's like, yeah, but I was beaten. I was like, oh, I guess it's just your husband's word against yours then. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. whew.
1: That's a scary thought. But I definitely want to get into this whole not just false dichotomy, but this like polarizing extremes that's a real danger to our culture and our society and moving forward. Like if we can't find ways to compromise or view each other in different lights and sort of step into what someone else's motivation is, the way that the movie does a great job of showing, <laughs> <laughs> then Our society is really going to take a dive.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I remember sort of, I think what you're getting at, um, my senior year of college was the 2016 presidential campaign, and that's when Bernie Sanders came out and became very relevant to a lot of people my age. So a lot of people on campus became Bernie supporters, and then there was a group of people... That weren't Bernie supporters, and their immediate response was, Well, his ideals are different than mine. I'm going to attack his character and everyone who supports him's character. Not, Oh, let me present a different option, but rather, No, if you support this, you're an idiot. And right. that's very problematic. Like, we need to be able to have discussion. And not just shoot down another person's idea. Exactly.
1: And, like, right now it's happening, like, oh, if you support Trump, then you're a racist. And as much as I might instinctually, like, feel that sort of, like, sense of, like, how can you continue justifying? Obviously, there it's not as black and white as that. And it's not a matter of I support racism or I support all of his policies. It's more so... The pros might outweigh the cons based on my personal situation here, and I really wish that you would look at this situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's what we need to start doing.
2: I make more money and don't want it taxed, so I think, you know. (laughs) Damn, you're just...
0: (laughs) Damn it, Donald, you're making this really hard. (laughs) We're trying to be impartial, but...
1: There's... Just like in, in the sense of the, the rise of Donald Trump came from a middle class citizen that felt underappreciated and that felt taken advantage of for a very long time. And I think if we look at it in that context, it can be more justifiable to go with the wild card. It's not right. so much I support all of Trump's policies, but I support someone who's not part of the system. The system that screwed me over, the Hillary Clinton who's been playing politics all her life and um, stuff like that. So I can get it from that angle. Obviously, I don't necessarily think a businessman is going to be that different because he's been playing his own game. But I can totally view that context of no matter how bad it might get, I just needed something different. That's the only way to get me out of whatever the issue was, was to just start fresh
0: and off of the underrepresented middle class, the idea of, no, your opinion is different than mine, stop talking, really just reinforced um, that demographic's choice because they said, oh no, like I kind of like what this guy's saying, maybe I don't agree with everything, but he's really speaking my language, it sounds like he's gonna look out for me, and it sounds like he's going to listen to what I want and everyone that was against Trump said, no, stop talking, that's dumb.
1: <laughs> Which is like, not listening to what they want.
0: Exactly. I hear you. Thank you. I wonder if any <laughs> Trump supporters are still listening. after Yeah. That
2: <laughs> <laughs> but all this political talk reminds me of this, uh, something you had posted on Facebook the other day about, uh, pro-life versus pro-choice. Mm-hmm. The whole false dichotomy there, that it's... If you are pro-choice, you are not against the act. Like, oh, so you like to murder babies? Why don't you just drink cyanide right now? Fetus Whatever. killer,
1: fetus killer. It's uh, pro-choice um... doesn't mean pro-death,
2: <laughs> right? Uh if that's the definition of a false dichotomy, yes.
1: I don't know. I think I think just like in the name, like they really set it up perfectly. Yeah. So like, if you're pro-choice. Duh, that's the best option because everyone should be pro-choice. Everyone should get to choose. And if you're not pro-choice, that makes you anti-choice. It means you don't want people to choose for themselves. And that is the worst thing you can do. And and on the flip side, pro-life has the same exact context. Duh, you should be pro-life. Everyone should want to live and want everyone else to live. And if you're not pro-life, that means you're anti-life which means you want to kill people which apparently i do because i yeah. support euthanasia
2: <laughs> uh, they definitely gave their uh their their stances some good good opposites to work off of right.
0: <laughs> there's a great simpsons gag where um the presidential candidates have been taken <laughs> over by aliens I
2: feel like that's what you're gonna do. and
0: um one of them is giving a speech and he goes abortions for all Boo! Okay, no abortions for anyone. Boo! Okay, abortions for some, miniature American flags for others.
2: Yeah! <laughs> I think I'll cast my vote for a third party member. <laughs> Go ahead.
0: Throw, Throw your, your vote away. <laughs> um, so I think that is the idea of one necessarily isn't the opposite of the other. you can, I feel you can be pro-life and pro-choice. Right. Like and I, vice versa.
1: I identify as pro-choice in that people should deserve to get abortions because of the culture and life that we all have and the world that we exist in. But I'm pro-life in the aspect that everyone deserves a chance to live and once we can resolve like medical issues and once we can resolve like poverty issues i'd be much more comfortable saying that maybe we shouldn't allow abortion as like a viable option because now we've repaired the adoption system so well that it actually is feasible and i find that a lot of pro lifers are like well if you don't if you can't take care of the baby then put it up for adoption at least and that's, I would say, there's a, there isn't a, really an understanding of how the foster system exists all over the country and all over the world, because that is definitely not always a viable option.
0: Yeah. Um, I think people have the idea of, oh, put your kid up for adoption. Hopefully, you know, maybe it'll take, I don't know, by the time they're five, but they'll get a loving family. Not always the case. <laughs> and not always... A loving family like there are definitely problems within this institution as well so what well, i think what we're getting at is there's not just a black and white solution to this <laughs> yeah and there's
1: also like completely ignoring the nine months of physical damage that that's doing to a woman that she just has to go through to then give up a baby and it's I think the alternative option, or the most common alternative option, is like, well, then you shouldn't have had sex in the first place if he couldn't deal with the consequence of getting pregnant, and that is also very like you're you're shutting down the overarching problem that we have in our society. You're that didn't help to say you shouldn't have had sex. <laughs> Oops,
2: I'll never do that again. Yeah, because
1: there's there's also. A, I I read somewhere, like, if you can't even afford a condom, then should you even be having sex? And I was just blown away of, like, wow, you, like, poor people don't even deserve the simple, instinctual pleasure of, like, physical closeness like that. Like, that's
0: quite an opinion to have. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy to me that it's someone's first thought of just, oh, it's your fault. You want to afford a house? Stop buying avocado toast. What a silly, like, argument.
1: (laughs) Like, if you stop going to Starbucks on a daily basis, you've saved up 40 extra dollars that month. Do that a couple of more months, invest in a stock, and you'll be set for retirement. Like, duh, that's the solution. So, poor people don't deserve simple pleasures, is what I'm hearing. And obviously, again, like, I'm isolating and sort of targeting a certain group of people, and I need to be able to view their side of it, so...
0: Yeah, so even throughout this discussion, we've all been a little biased towards whatever side we lean towards, which I think is kind of proving our point.
1: Yeah, we're just as bad as you are, (laughs) viewers, listeners. Oh, God.
2: (laughs) Which, all in all, I think is... Going full circle back to the characters that we've been condoning previously in three billboards for all of their like selfish actions that they haven't been putting the um the the lives of everyone that they're affecting into account. It, it all loops back in.
1: But yeah, like I think just what we're trying to get at at the end here is see if you can try to step out of your shoes. See if you can step into someone else's. And it doesn't mean you need to agree with them. That doesn't mean condone their actions. But if we can find a reason or a motivation, we're more likely to understand them. And then we are more likely to find a compromise with them.
0: That's all for this week. Thank you all so much for listening. Please tune in next Thursday when we talk about Black Panther and whether heroes are born or made. If you liked us, please find us on instagram and twitter at two underscore bald men and find us on facebook thank you all again so much and if you were driving we hope you got to your destination safely and on time